to jump right into the teaching for today. If you haven't been with us, just to catch you up real quick, we are going through a teaching series on the book of Acts. Okay, so if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, basically there's an old, what we call an Old Testament, which is like the Hebrew scriptures leading up to when Jesus was born. And then the New Testament is like Jesus and the church and the early church for about, you know, stuff that was written within the 60 to 100 years after his death and resurrection, okay? So in the New Testament, it starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four, what we call gospels or stories of Jesus's life. And then there's this book called Acts, book number five. Acts is all about Jesus dies, raises again, goes to heaven, and then It's like, okay, it's on us, right? So the early followers of Jesus, how did they live their lives? How did they explain the gospel? How did they reach the world? That's what the book of Acts is all about. So as a church, we've been reading through it together. If you don't have the reading plan because you've been gone or you lost it, the reading plans are on the table out there that you can also get your 100 hours of service bracelet, okay? We are just gearing you out this summer. I'm telling you what, um, So pick up the reading plan, read along, and whatever you're supposed to be reading, I teach on. So this week was Acts 16 and 17. Okay. I catch everybody up? All right. Or you could just listen to our teachings online, and I wouldn't have to do that. Maybe you are, and that's great. You can also listen to our podcast, Around the Table of City Light, which comes out Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, depending on when I get it done. All right. And last week, we interviewed Sharon Hampson, and it was, what I'm told is it was hilarious. So I think you should listen to it. Okay. Okay. so a couple years ago, do you, I don't remember exactly. I think it was called Marvel Civil War. Is that when, like, they fought each other? Yeah. All right. So we went to the movies to see this. And I don't know why, but we, we waited till the very last minute. So this was literally the last weekend that it was in theaters. And we were sitting in the theater. And I kid you not, like, we watched the whole movie up to the point where they're, like, I think they were at an airport or something. And they start running at each other. And then the movie stopped. Like, in the theater, the movie stopped. Like, pfft. And we were, like, what? And so we waited and waited and waited, and then the lights came on. And they're like, we're really sorry, there's a problem. Which I don't understand in this day and age, they're not running like tape back there that like broke or something. I mean, when I was growing up, I can understand that, you know? It's just like a file. Just reboot it and restart it. It's literally, I've been back there because we used to rent the theater. It's a computer, like a big one. So yeah, we had to wait because then this was like before COVID. So it wasn't like, also, you can watch it on HBO Max if you pay, you know, $600. It wasn't like that. You, you had to wait. And so we didn't know what happened. It was like, da-da-da-da. wait three months for the ending. And that's what it was like for our family. So I remember when we, when we rented it, we were all super excited and watched it in our basement. But I feel like that, that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about like those times in our life, whether you're in one now or you've been in one or one's about to happen, right? Where it feels like momentum's building or chaos is building or conflict is building or struggle is building. And then it's just like doesn't resolve. Like you thought it was going to resolve. It doesn't work itself out the way you thought it was going to work itself out. You know, maybe you, you got into a new job and you really thought this was the key and you really thought it was going to be less stressful and more peaceful, but it's like, eh, it's just not cutting it. And it's like, or, or maybe you've, you're in a relationship and, and you've just kind of like hit a wall, you know, whether it's a new one or one you've been in for a long time and you've tried a few things and doesn't feel like anything's changing. You know, maybe it's faith for you and you, you whether you're new to faith and you're kind of like exploring faith, but it, it's like, just feels like, I, well, I was kind of excited at first, but now I'm kind of maybe weirded out. Christian's kind of strange or, you know, like, uh, I don't know 
why he sings so passionately and be like, calm down, you know, just relax. Um, or, or maybe you've been in faith for a long time, right? And, and some of what's been happening in the world and some of what Christians have been saying and doing has made you just like, am I a Christian? Like, I don't know if I want to be like that person. You know, maybe I'm not a Christian or maybe I've got doubts and, and questions and I don't know where to go with those. And so, you know, you, you get that, like, that place where you get kind of stuck. You know, the movie just like, and you're like, I don't know what's next. Or God called you into something. Maybe you've just stepped out and God's called you into something. And you're like, yes, God. And then it just is like, what? Like, where are you, God? Where are you? Where are you in that relationship? Like, what are you doing in my job? Why did you lead me into this new idea or this new ministry and then just seemingly disappeared on me? Which does happen a lot if you follow Jesus. And so I want to talk about that because we see this in the life of Paul. So there's something that Mandy and I say to each other a lot. When we talk about like people that we know who are maybe going through a hard time or, or people that we know who have like turned away from God and their hearts are, are just seemingly like wandering. And, and we'll, we can worry sometimes and be like, man, what is going to happen? And we'll say to each other, their story isn't over yet. Like, it might look bad right now. It might look hopeless right now. And you might feel hopeless right now in your life. But what I want to talk about today is that your story isn't over yet. So, I'm a horrible map person. What do they call it? Geographers? I'm bad at geography, is what I want to say. But I, I want to just give it a try today. So, do you see over there where it says Israel? Bottom, your bottom right, okay? So we're gonna talk about where Paul traveled in Acts 16 and 17, but to give you some context, this is what a modern day map looks like. So he's gonna go up the coast by Lebanon, Syria, Turkey, Aegean Sea, Greece, Crete, and back to Israel. See that little circle there? Just act like you did, okay. So here's, it's zoomed in on that little section I just described, and the red is him. This, this is Bible scholars would call this Paul's second missionary journey, okay? So this is the second big trip that we're, we're reading about in Acts 16 and 17. And what you read about is that Paul keeps getting, like, um, keeps running into obstacles. So he heads out from Israel, and he's going um, up through Derby, Iconium, and Lystra, and his plan is to go into Asia, what's called Asia on that map, and and the Holy Spirit, it says, kept him from going in there. So he can't go in there. And then he goes to another place, and the Holy Spirit keeps him from going in there. So he can't go in there. And then he has this vision of this man inviting him from Macedonia. So he's like, oh, I got to head over to Macedonia. So he sails over to Crete, Greece, and then Philippi, so right on the bottom of Macedonia, he shows up, right? So think about this. You want to go one place, God says no. You want to go another place, God says no. And then you have this dream where there's this man who says, come to Macedonia, and you think that's God. So you go to Macedonia, and then in Philippi, he gets beaten and thrown in jail. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, no, probably you haven't been beaten and thrown in jail. But you ever been like, I'm following God, I'm following God, I'm following God, and then the exact opposite thing that you, like he says, Jesus told us to go tell people about the gospel. I'm trying, and the Holy Spirit says no. The Holy Spirit says no. And then he's like, hey, come here so you can be thrown in jail and be even less effective. You ever feel like your life is just going backwards from where God's been calling you? Like you've been stepping out in faith. You've been trying things for Jesus. And like you've been stepping out in your workplace or whatever. And it's like you just met with resistance or the opposite of what you're hoping for happens. Once they get out from there, they go to Thessalonica. They have like 24 hours of peace. 
It like looks like it's going well. And then the, the crowd gets stirred into a riot and tries to kill him again. So then they go to Berea. And guess what happens? They have like 24 hours of peace. And then the Thessalonican crowd's like, hey. So they chase them to Berea. I mean, come on. Paul's like, when can I just get some rest? It ends up not till he gets to Corinth. He, he does something really cool in Athens, then he goes to Corinth, and he's there for a year or so. But what I wanted to just illustrate is that this is like normal for following Jesus, okay? Like this isn't like you're having a secret, like special, difficult time. Like you, the, the, God doesn't have it out for you, okay? Or, or the enemy doesn't have it out for you. You're not like a failure or a loser. This is like life following Jesus. It's stepping out in faith and facing a setback. Stepping out in faith and facing a setback until you die. Okay, that's just basically it. Write that down. That's your mission statement. All right, so what I want to do is I want to talk about the first place he got to. And so they're, they're in there. They're, they've, they've met some people, and they're heading out to go pray. This is before Thessalonica and Berea. This is that first place where he felt called to go, and this is what happened to him. Okay, so they were going to a place of prayer, and they were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. So she followed Paul, and she started shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. This is going to show you some of the humanity of Paul. Imagine you're just trying to do your job, and some, you know, strange lady is following you around screaming. Now, what she's saying is actually true, but it's not helpful. And I'm just going to make a quick side note. We do that. Like, Christians do that. There are times when we say things that are true, but we say it in ways that aren't helpful. And I want to just encourage us, if we're going to be truth tellers, to also partner that truth with grace and love so that our truth is helpful to our friends and neighbors. So she kept this up for days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed <laughs> that he turned around and he rebuked the Spirit. He said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And the Spirit left her. Seems like he did it. A kind of a favor, right? Like he got so annoyed that he finally saved this. But the owners realized their hope of making money was gone. She couldn't tell the future without this demonic spirit in her. So now she's just a girl, right? Which is good for her, not great for them. So they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and they said, these men are Jews. They're throwing our city into an uproar, uproar by advocating customs unlawful for the Romans to accept their practice. All of that is lies, okay? But they're, they're just trying to get them in trouble. So the crowd joined in and uh, in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them stripped and beaten with rods. And after they've been severely flogged, now we're not gonna go into great detail, but this isn't just like they, they got like, you know, smack on the wrist. These people died from being flogged. This was not... Good. So they, they're like, remember, let's go here. Holy Spirit says, no, no, I got somewhere better. Let's go here. No, 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 no. Trust me. It's going to be really good in Macedonia. People need you in Macedonia. Come on. They get to Macedonia and they're beaten and bloodied to the near of death and then thrown. After they've been severely flogged, they're thrown into prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. It's like, um, you know those, like, I don't know, they're memes, like, you know, where the guy's frozen and that music's playing in the background, and it like, says something like, um, uh, how did I get here, you're wondering? Or, I, I'm not saying it right. You know what I'm talking about? No? Okay, never mind. So, um, it's, if, if I knew how to say it, you would know what it meant, and you would have laughed, but anyway. So, he, they're, like, in this cell. So, remember, the whole trajectory, and now they're locked in this cell. So, the first thing I want to say is um, that 
when you follow Jesus, you will be resisted. This is, this is the first point, okay? So remember, the, the overall thing I want to say today is your story is not over. God's not done with you. He's not done writing your story. And as you lean into who God has created you to be, whether it be in the workplace, in your family, in your personal faith, in your ministry life, things God's called you to do, when you start to lean into those things, when you start to walk towards the, the call and plan for, uh, that God has in your life, you will be resisted. You know, he was resisted by demonic spirits. He was resisted by people. He was resisted by government authorities. And I would say, those are all potentials for you. <laughs> I mean, we can be resisted. You know, believers in the Bible, and this may sound weird to you, we believe that there's demonic power in the world. I mean, I know that that's been, you know, blown out of proportion and, and made to seem weird. But like, actually, if you step back and look at the history of the world, is it so hard to believe that there's an evil force at work behind the scenes in the world? I mean, think about that. And that's basically what, what the word Satan that's given to this evil force in the Bible just means the adversary. He is your resistance. Now, he's not like personally against you, which is good, right? But there is, a, a, the Bible teaches that there's an evil power, a personal evil power in the world that resists specifically the church. And so we are resisted, but we're also resisted right, by people, resisted by circumstance. There is resistance against the word of God and against the people of God leaning into who God's called them to be. So don't be surprised. Literally, there's a verse we're going to read at the end of this that says, don't be surprised when stuff goes wrong. It's in the Bible. Like, you should, we should all write that and, like, tape it to our mirror in the morning. It'd be a great encouragement, right? Like, that's not really what people normally use for, like, their pick, pick me up in the morning. But say, ah, oh, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal you're about to undergo. That's what the Bible says. All right, time to face my day. You know, like, yeah, here we go. Actually, that's a great way to start because then you won't be surprised when stuff goes wrong at work, when stuff goes wrong in your marriage, when stuff goes wrong, be like, yeah, I was expecting that. Yeah, bring it on. You know, that's all you got. So when you follow Jesus, you'll be resisted, but your story isn't over yet. Don't let the resistance kick you off the track. Don't let the resistance keep you from who God's called you to be. Don't let the resistance stop you from leaning into what you feel God's put in your heart. If we let that resistance put us off the track, we're going to fail to experience the end of the story. We're going to fail to realize what God is really about to do in our lives if we give up when the resistance hits hard. We're always going to have to push through resistance to get to where God is taking us. Can you, can you hear that today? Personally, as a person, you are always going to have to push through resistance to get to where God is taking you. If God is working in your character, trying to make you a more patient and loving person, what do you think is going to happen in your life? <laughs> you're going to have to deal with stuff that makes you impatient. You're going to have, you're going to have resistance. If you're trying to be a more loving spouse, you're probably going to have stuff rise up inside of you that's very selfish-oriented. And you're going to face that resistance of your selfish, sinful person inside of you, right? If you're trying to lead something in the body of Christ, if you're trying to start a small group, there's just resistance that we have to fight. Some of it's internal, some of it's external, some of it's spiritual, some of it's physical, and you're going to have to fight through that. So don't be surprised. So let's, let's join our fearless heroes of this story. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, as you do when you've been beaten nearly to death and thrown in prison, right? Anybody with me? 
Okay. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. When he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. So he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. I love, this is one of my favorites. I have a lot of them. This is one of my favorites. I love the fact that Paul and Silas didn't leave. I mean, I really think that would have been my first instinct. Anybody with me? You know, like the shackles fall off, the doors open, like, uh, okay, it's God. I mean, wouldn't you think that was God? Like, let's read the circumstances. This seems like a golden opportunity. We're supposed to be out preaching the gospel. We met resistance. God opened the door. Let's go. But Paul and Silas, they weren't feeling like they were out of where God wanted them. Like they were in prison, still feeling like, well, here we are. Let's minister to the prisoners. I mean, it was like we've been talking about last week as on-call Christians. They weren't like, well, we can't do anything about God now. They were just like, oh, we're here now. This must be where God wants us. They were curious. We talked about this too. They were curious. What are you up to now? God, things went sideways on me, but maybe you're in this. Maybe you're in this, right? So God's purpose in and through you is greater than your personal comfort. This is not an encouraging teaching. I'm realizing now as I'm getting through the points, this is kind of downer. Sorry, but at least you get to like party tomorrow. You don't have to go to work. Right? So, yeah, when you follow Jesus, point number three isn't much better now that I'm thinking about it. But, okay, so you're going to be resisted and you don't get to be comfortable. But it's true. I mean, this is true in life, though, isn't it? When, when have you ever accomplished anything worth accomplishing and it was, like, super easy? That's just not generally true. And here's the thing. When you sign up to be a follower of Jesus, you're, you're like, you're not signing up because you, you thought this was a really comfortable life or an easy life. You're signing up because you believe that God's called you to something greater than your personal comfort. And, and the kingdom of God or God's purpose, however you want to say it, working in your life is more important to God than you being comfortable. He'd rather have you be shaped into the person he wants, a, lo- a person of love, a person of sacrifice, a person of character, a person of hope. So if it takes some refining, you know, and that word comes from sticking gold into fire, refining it, right? So that's not a pleasant experience for the gold, right? If he wants to refine you, it's gonna, there's gonna be some consequences. And also working through us is not about our personal comfort. We've been talking a lot, this, this whole series is called Go. It's about getting outside of our, the idea that faith is about me. That faith is about, I come Sunday morning, I sit here, I hear some, uh, you know, incredible teachings, and then, like, I go and I live my life. This is about, like, this is a launching pad, and actually most of Christianity happens the other six days. It's about going and saying, how can I be the light of the world? Not me, you, us. How can I be the light of the world in my workplace? How can I be the light of the world in my family? How can I be the light of the world in my school, on my soccer team? How can I just, little things that I can do, how can I say yes to the promptings of the Holy Spirit to pray for that person, to go talk to that person who looks like they're having a hard time, to be the person who goes against the flow, you know, who, who, who goes in an opposite direction of the way the world's going. And his purpose in you is often going to re- require some discomfort. But what God is doing in and through you is so much more important. Um. My daughter, uh, Matea, she's right there. I asked her permission. So she, we were at youth group 
um, I don't know, this year sometime. And we were talking about like faith and our faith journey and how do you know that God is real? It was like, I think the question we were talking about. And it's really weird to be a dad and, and also a pastor. And you get to like, sometimes you, know, you get to hear things from a different perspective. So I know this as her dad, but I got to hear it as a pastor. And I, was, I listened to her answer and she talked about how she's had this, um, she's battled this illness now since she was in sixth grade. And it's been really difficult for her. And through the really difficult times, so catch this, through the really difficult times, she's come to really see God. That's the weird part, right? She's come to really have faith in God being real and present, not because she got healed and not because everything went great, but through the difficult times, she saw God. And I just want to just say, like, this is, True. It's what happens. It's in the difficult times that we see God. Second Corinthians is written by Paul, okay? So this is the same guy who's in jail. Remember, he ends up in Corinth. So he wrote a letter to them later on. And he said this, therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't give up when it gets hard. Though outwardly, we're wasting away. Right? Outwardly, we might be in jail. Outwardly, we might be beaten Outwardly, the job fell through or the relationships on the rocks or whatever, okay? But inwardly, somehow, mysteriously, we're being renewed even in the fire because we are people of hope. We're people who tie into God, who's above our circumstances, who's above the hard times, you know? When we don't have God and we face hard times on our own, yes, that's, that's very overwhelming and can feel hopeless. But when we have the God for whom we know no thing is no, no thing. Nothing is impossible. No thing is too big. That's what, and I put those together. Nothing's impossible. We know that he knows the, the end from the beginning. He knows where we're going. He knows where we've been. We know that his love is unconditional. Those are things that give us hope so that inwardly we can be renewed even when outwardly we're wasting away. Our light and momentary troubles, and I know like no one would be like, oh, Matea, your, your sickness is a light and momentary trouble. Like I know we don't make light of our issues, but compare it. So however difficult, however hard, however painful, compared to what God is doing in your life now and what he will do in your life eternally, it's light and momentary compared to the glory, eternal glory that far outweighs the most. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, not on, what, not on the issues, not on the problems, but on what is unseen, what God is doing in the background. God, what are you up to in this? What are you up to in my life, even though things seem to be going sideways? So let's see what God was up to in this story, okay? Uh, yeah, I'm supposed to say that. Your story isn't over yet. Okay, so he then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to believe? So in case you lost track, he's about to kill himself, the jailer. They say, hey, we're here. Oh, I, I had another point I wanted to make. Sorry, I just forgot, but I just remembered. Side note, not related to the teaching, okay? Side note, not related to the teaching. Can we see how they cared for their enemies? Like that, that was something as I read this and in our cultural moment right now, it just kind of hit me in the face. Like Jesus told us to love our enemies. He didn't say love those who, uh, how far should I go with this? Love those who vote like you. Love those who like your posts. Love those who are in your echo chamber. Love those who agree with every stance you have. He said, love your enemies. You know, and I, and I feel like 15, 20 years ago, five years ago, like, talking about enemies was kind of, like, weird. Like, enemies might be, like, other countries who were attacking us. 
But we're in a cultural moment where enemies are like our neighbors and our friends and our Facebook friends or, or not. You know, I, I had a Facebook friend write on their thing this, you know, this week that if I didn't agree with them, that um, they didn't want to be my friend and don't ever talk to them again. I kind of want to see them in person and see what happens if I ignore them. Like, is that really what they want? I don't think so. Right? We make these blanket statements. But there's this, have you seen it? Yeah, like, unless you are off of Facebook, which is probably so good for your health. <laughs> right? But, like, the way of Jesus, if we want to be Christians, like, the way of Jesus, not, not, not like, Americanized, political, whatever your picture of Christianity that is not the Bible, throw that over there. Biblical Christianity, I mean, and the way you can tell if someone's being biblically Christian or not is you can look at the Bible and you can measure their actions. Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit. And so if it's not making oranges, it's not an orange tree. And if it's not loving his neighbors, it's not living biblical Christianity. I'm not going to say you're not a Christian, obviously, but you're not living biblical Christianity if you're not loving your enemies. Can we just say that? Like that is, I know it's hard. Who's your enemy right now? Paul was willing to stay in prison to save his enemy's life. That guy, maybe, we don't know for sure, but maybe was one of the ones who beat the crap out of him before he went in there. I mean, how would you feel about that person? We, we have a hard time handling it when people disagree with us. Can you imagine someone beating you for an hour? So Christianity is loving our enemies. I just want to put that out there. Like, regardless of where you land on any of the issues that we've found ways to hate each other over. Like, the church right now has a great opportunity. And some, some people in the church are doing it well. And some are doing it terribly. We have an opportunity to be different. I mean, come on. If the world is doing this, we should not be doing this. If Jesus really means something to us, if he really died and rose from the dead for our sins and we know our brokenness, we of all people should move towards those who disagree with us. Because Jesus, it says, when we were dead in our sins, he came for us. So we, we had nothing to offer. We were his, there's another place that says, when we were his enemies. So if anyone in the world should know how to move towards their enemies, it should be Christians. And if we don't, it means we haven't fully grasped or been changed by the gospel message. Once you're changed by the gospel message, loving your enemies should be second nature. It should come out of you. I mean, I think that we could take that and really pray about it. Okay. So he then brought them. I said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of God to him and to the others in the house. At that hour of night, the jailer took him home and washed their wounds. This is such a beautiful story. Immediately, he and his household were baptized. Do you see the symbolism there? I mean, it's just powerful. Like, he's washing their wounds, and then they're washing his spiritual wounds. Like, he's washing their physical wounds, and they're washing his spiritual wounds. He's bringing salvation is a Greek word that can mean salvation. It can mean healing. It can mean wholeness, right? It's kind of that all, a whole package deal. He's bringing physical healing and he needs it more than they do. Like they're beaten and bloody and broken, but they're the ones who really have the greater gift to offer. The jailer brought them to his house, set a meal before them. <laughs> he's like, what? What is my life right now? You know, it's like a whirlwind for this guy. You know, he's like, 
drunk on power and then he almost kills himself and then he's getting saved and now he has his enemies eating around his table. He's like, whoa. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He got it. Once you get it, you get it. He and his whole household were filled with joy. See, God, number three, uses our setbacks. He just, he just does. He is, a, he, he is like the expert at redemption. Right? We call him the redeemer. He takes the broken stuff and the dirty stuff and the hurting stuff and the messed up stuff and the stuff from our past and the stuff we don't want to tell people about and the stuff we're ashamed of. And he's like, look what I can do, right? And he turns it somehow. The setbacks, the brokenness, he brings good out of it. There's no way that when you're reading that story, you're thinking, oh, this is great news that they are beaten and in jail. But can we just, let's revisit the whole thing. There's a man in Macedonia saying, come here, we need you. Is it possible that the whole reason they went there was so that guy could get saved in his family? And I wonder, like, if, if, if you were like, Paul, was it worth it? What do you think he would say? Like, if we lay that out ahead of you and we were like, hey, here's the deal. There's this guy and his family, and I really want them to get saved, but it's going to cost you. You're going to get beaten and thrown in jail. But trust me, it's going to be worth it. Like, oh, by the way, he's your enemy. <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on. Like, we read these stories, and we're just like, oh, that was neat. Keep reading. You know, go about our day. This is radical. This is in your face. Would you, I mean, uh, he was so radically changed, Paul, by the gospel message that this was just okay with him. He's like beaten and, and locked in prison and he's like, la, da, 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 da. You know, it's just like, he's singing like, way maker, miracle worker, you know. He's just like loving his life. Silas is like, who is this guy I'm hanging out with? He's lost it. He must have gotten hit in the head too many times. He was like, Silas, just wait. I, I've been following Jesus for a while. Something good is coming. And then the earthquake happened. Silas is like, let's go. You were right. He's like, no, no, no. Wait for it. There's more. Wait for it. Wait, we're going to get locked up again? Maybe. I don't know. What do you think God's up to, Silas? I was like, I literally have no idea. You know? Paul's like, I just love it. I just love, just wait and see. And then he sees the moment. Remember we talked about shooting your shot, right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. He sees the moment. He's like, ah, that's it. It's the jailer who's about to kill himself. That's why we're here. That's the man from Macedonia. I don't know if it's actually the man from Macedonia. I would love to say that. As a Bible scholar, I am not. So maybe. Can we settle on maybe? All right, good. But I mean, how powerful is that, guys? How good is that? Wouldn't it be cool if we lived like that? Wouldn't it be cool if the whole church lived like that? Like, I mean, this would be amazing and almost hard to think about. But if everyone who was called a Christian in our culture acted like this, that we obeyed the Holy Spirit, walking into traps set by the Holy Spirit at our expense to save others, that we were willing to suffer shame and pain and frustration because it's worth it for someone else to know Jesus. You know, Paul, the same guy, he wrote in one place, I love my Jewish brothers and sisters so much that I would give up my own salvation if it would mean some of them would know Jesus. He's one of the most challenging characters in the Bible for me. And what I want you to hear is, your story isn't over yet. 
Think about that. The jailer is just about to kill himself. And Paul's like, your story isn't over yet. This isn't where it ends. Think about you're the jailer, right? You're going about your life, you're doing your job, and then you get selected to guard these two. And then it just so happens there's an earthquake that night. Come on. How often are there earthquakes in Macedonia? I don't know. Let's say never. It's the first one ever, okay? He's like, what are the chances? I'm kidding. I don't know. And he's like, my life is over. And Paul's like, no. When you're at your lowest point, God is saying over you, your story isn't over yet. If he had killed himself, we would have got, wouldn't have gotten the rest of that story. If your marriage right now is really, really low, if you follow Jesus, your story isn't over yet. If your kid has fallen away from faith and is walking away from God, their story isn't over yet. If your job is just tanking, your story isn't over yet. I want you to hear the encouragement of Scripture. That this is God the Redeemer, God who never gives up, God who is the God of second chances. And it's not like you're going to just sail through this. You're going to face resistance. You're going to get uncomfortable. But God's going to use those setbacks. I'm going to read you one more verse. Worship team, come on up. This is the one I was telling you about. This is Peter. He wasn't in our story, but he also was in jail once. And oddly enough, he got freed by an angel and he left. So who's the better disciple? I don't know. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice. Sing songs in jail. And as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. We participate in the sufferings of Christ so that we may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed, not just at the end of time, but in us, in the story. We can have joy as we go through the low times, the painful times, the questioning times, the times when the movie just stops and you're like, what are you doing, God? Because we know God is working in the background and the glory will be revealed in and through us. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So next steps. This week we're reading the next four chapters. Wait, 18, 19, 20, yeah, 14 chapter, uh, four chapters. And um, I'm going to be sending out, I don't have the card here, but I'm going to send out a card tomorrow that's going to have a, a verse and a prayer. Um, so I'm going to send it out over email, okay? And you can take that tomorrow's 4th of July. It might come Tuesday. But you can take that this week and pray it each day, okay? Mm-hmm.